It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. This is not a negotiation. I'm running this team because the Reinsdorfs want me to, and I'm going to run it that I think is best. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. I think your play is embarrassing. The pro player thing, this is basketball. Follow Locked On Bulls on social media, on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pat, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked On Chai Bulls. Our players buying in, Jim. I, yes. Fair enough. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, streaming live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. On Instagram, at Locked On Bulls. On Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked On Shy Bulls. Subscribe to the show, Himalaya app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are available there. Make sure you're smashing that subscribe button so as soon as our episodes drop, you are getting them delivered right to your device. Again, Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Matt, what's up? Happy hump day to you. It's Wednesday and probably my favorite day of the week because we get to do mailbag here. But first, before we do that in the opening segment, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Fred Hoiberg's opening, uh, I guess, his introductory press conference that he did at Nebraska. So it's official now. And the one thing that I find it very funny is now that he's back in college in the coaching ranks, he's also back on Twitter. So that should be pretty interesting. We haven't seen Fred Hoiberg on Twitter in about three or four years. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, considering his views on social media, that should be pretty interesting. Well, first of all, happy hump day to you as well, Jordan. But with, with Fred Hoiberg's tweet where he just did a quick little video from his Twitter account, which, as you said, is usually dormant. Honestly, to me, it, it looked like a guy who was feigning excitement and happiness. I, 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 you know, I don't know how Fred Hoiberg really feels about taking this job. I know that his family has has really solid ties to Nebraska and that basketball program and it makes sense on a lot of levels but to me and maybe it's just part of how Hoiberg carries himself and his personality or lack thereof he just sounded it sounded it looked so unenthused in that video I just to me it's like um it's like my buddy John from Outsiders made the joke months back when Hoiberg was still the coach where every post game interview every media session with the you know with the press 
it, he looks and talks and acts as if his family is being held hostage at gunpoint right off camera and you can't see it but he's just like speaking in these monotone deathly voices and and mannerisms that make you wonder if the guy likes his job at all and i think despite what we heard um from uh one particular source that fred you know th- was caught off guard by th- by the firing when the bulls canned him on december 3rd and maybe thought it was a little you know, it was a little irksome that he looked miserable trying to coach that bulls team through the first couple months of this season and he didn't necessarily look miserable when he made that announcement to say hey husker nation here we go but he didn't look very happy either talking about why hoiberg took the job he it seemed like he was kind of going back and forth first on whether or not he should take it and maybe wait out another year to see if an NBA job opens, uh, saying that he got kind of comfortable doing the things with his wife and just kind of hanging out with her uh, and that kind of everyday routine. I don't know if that was a joke or not. I can't really tell when you're reading it through a newspaper or an online source, but um, it kind of makes sense. Like, do you really want to go back and invest your time into college? And seven years is a long time now, whether or not you last that long. That's another case, but still, do you want to go back to college and do the whole recruiting thing? It's probably a pretty big decision, and then also moving and uprooting your entire family from Chicago for the last four or five years and moving all the way to the middle of the Midwest in Nebraska is also very different, but it kind of makes sense, though. I mean, Hoiberg's family is all connected in all different ways to the Nebraska to Nebraska's program to that school uh, I think he's gonna do pretty well at Nebraska but yeah it was interesting to hear some of his thoughts we we really didn't hear from him he you know when he got fired he just kind of vanished um and you know rightfully so take some time off and that was the other thing that I enjoyed was his comment about talking to some of his colleagues and friends who were currently coaching through college seasons or NBA seasons and He's like sitting around the kitchen table at home, like drinking coffee, doing a puzzle, watching the prices right on like a weekday morning. And he's like, oh, this this ain't bad. Um, all the while making five million dollars to do so. Uh, but the other detail I thought was interesting, and it kind of goes along with the narrative of the Bulls front office and maybe firing people in unnaturally cruel ways or as far as the timing of firings maybe doing it in in ways that are are harsh and because you know there's the christmas season firings that the bulls have have been known for in recent years through this regime and december 3rd the day that fred was fired i didn't know this until i think it was another detail in that teddy greenstein piece is his wife's birthday so the Bulls fired Fred on his wife's birthday. That's just unfortunate timing. <laughs> I mean, talk talk about adding insults. Yeah, that's to just injury, unfortunate man. timing. That's that's only the Bulls, right? Like, and they, pr- it's just that. Yeah, that's just it's just unfortunate timing. Um, good for him though. I think he's gonna like it there. I think he's gonna be good. He's gonna be a good fit in the Big Ten and the Nebraska program. It makes all the sense in the world. So, and he's getting. A- Huge deal. Yeah, and let's be honest, the money too. Come on now. Who's like, passing up twenty five million? I don't know what million. Fred Hoiberg did to deserve that contract. I really don't. And I'm not trying to be mean. And as you said, I wish him well too. Good luck to Fred at Nebraska. But paying that dude three and a half million annually over seven years to coach Nebraska basketball. Dude's made fifty million dollars now once his contract is up. 
That's yeah. fifty million dollars in what a span of yeah. a little over a decade. So, pretty good some life, of which he will have collected. <laughs> pretty good life. Sitting in his PJs, doing puzzles, watching The Price Is Right. True, that is true too. So, and you know what? If if nothing else, credit Hoiberg for that because that's that's a baller move right there. The last two Bulls head coaches seem to differ on their game shows. Are you going with Price Is Right or Family Feud? Jim Boylan watching Family Feud after his first win and Fred Hoiberg finding himself watching The Price is Right doing puzzles. Are you more of a Price is Right guy or are you more of a Family Feud guy? I think if pressed, I would say I'm more of a Family Feud guy. But if I'm being honest, I mean, there's room for both. Price is Right is great, too. That's true. I think back to the Bob Barker days was Price is Right. That's kind of what I grew up on when I was younger. Pretty good, though. Pretty funny. So good for Fred Hoiberg. Uh, that's all I got from him, too. Uh, I wanted to switch topics, though, really quick before we get to your texts and voicemails. You can drop those at 331-979-1369. Don't be shy. We want to hear from you, so make sure you're dropping those calls for us. Make sure you're dropping those text messages. We'll get to as many as we can on today's show and then wrap up the week with all the rest if you drop them later in the week. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, man, on Twitter, Ron, he brought up his part of a bull on Bulls Twitter. He brought up a kind of a good point about Ryan Archie Diakno and one that I didn't realize and I don't think a lot of Bulls fans realized about him. Uh, but he said, you know, going into restricted free agency this summer, Archie Diakno... He's going to be offered a qualifying offer, and it's going to be somewhere around $1.8 million. But there's a caveat to that is Archie's played 77 games for the Bulls this year, and he started in 30 of them. And in order to increase your qualifying offer, you have to hit a bar that's starter criteria. So you either have to play, you have to start in 41 games, or you have to play over 2,000 minutes in order to, to get that bump. So what we're looking at here with Ryan Archidiakno is he's about 138 minutes shy of hitting that 2,000-minute marker, and that would push his qualifying offer from $1.8 million this summer to around $5.76 million this summer. Ron was bringing up is that it seems like the Bulls have started to limit his minutes so he doesn't go over that 2,000-minute threshold and the Bulls' qualifying offer doesn't get bumped by 4 or $5 million this summer. What do you think about this and in terms of the way that the Bulls have been using Archie over the last month or six weeks, do you feel like this is something that the Bulls have been paying attention to? I mean, I... Once I wasn't aware of this until I saw this series of tweets uh, from Coach Ron on Twitter, and after looking at it, it certainly makes sense that the Bulls are knowingly doing this, and not necessarily this being a Jim Boylan decision, but this being a John Paxson and Gar Foreman decision. And you know, I, I quote tweeted it and said, like every Bulls fan should read this thread, regardless of how you feel about it, because there are some people who were saying. You know, this is such a you know classic Bulls run office move. They're only worried about money. That's kind of what Ron said. He also said it was a big mistake to limit minutes to a young developing player. 
Um, and there are some who are saying, look, this just as from a business perspective makes total perfect sense. And I think I agree with the latter. I don't know how much you're really going to get when you're talking about developing Archie in the back end of a season where no bodies are left to play with. And if they do, in fact, value Archie Diakono as perhaps a third guard that they like to keep at the end of their bench next season, then it makes perfect sense and completely behooves them to, if they have the means to do something like this, reduce his qualifying offer by like $4 million? then why the hell not? Because you're talking about a team that is not going to be a huge player in free agency and because of Otto Porter's arriving contract has a little less or significantly less money to work with but still somewhere around $20 million, they're still going to look to add a veteran point guard as either their starter or another bench piece. They might see what else they can do adding a veteran in the front court if Robin Lopez leaves or offering Robin Lopez a deal to stay. If you can save yourself $4 million worth of flexibility – and keep Archie to fill out the back end of this bench, then yeah, do that. I don't understand why some Bulls fans are upset by this. It like For all of the Bulls fans who say, oh, all they care about is money, all they care about is money, which is kind of what Ron said in his series of tweets, okay, but this is a thing where the Bulls being savvy with the way that they spend their money is working in their favor. So why the hell are you whining about it? I think from what you're saying right now, if it wasn't the Bulls and thinking about their history over the last couple of years and the way they've kind of dealt with players in terms of the way the contracts have gone and just the money situation in general, I would agree with that. You know, it's a business decision and you kind of kind of think about your cap and all of that. But at the same time, the way that I think about it from the Bulls perspective is like... This is kind of a shoddy way of saving a few million dollars. And I get it. Like, dude, what? I mean, business is business. The NBA is a business. Uh, I agree. As much as Bulls fans whine about them being more focused on money, it's a business. And they're trying to do the best thing for them moving forward. Will you agree at least or meet me halfway on this, though, that if you do things like this, it only sets a precedent for future moves, though. And players realize this. I just think it might set a bad standard if this is the, in fact, the way that you're going down. I'm looking at Archie's minutes right now, though, and it hasn't been recently. Let's just be clear about that because since January, he's, his average minute total is 18.3 minutes in January, 21 minutes in uh, the games in February, 23.2 in March, and then the one game in April, he's averaged 17.3. Um, so the bulk of his minutes and the games he started were in December and November, where he was averaging 30.1 minutes and 27.3 minutes. And then October, he had 25.5 minutes. So the bulk of his minutes came in the first two and a half months of the season. I just, I I, I get it from both sides, and I kind of tend to agree with what Ron was saying, is that it's just, you know, if you really are restricting minutes just because you don't want to shell out another three or four million dollars to a guy that's busted his ass all year... What does that say about future deals that you're going to make for other players and other players of star quality that maybe you see two, three, four years down the road? You know, it just I think it just sets a bad precedent. Yes, it's a little shady if you want to use that word. And maybe it is a unfair thing to do to Archie Diakono, who by all accounts has been a great team player and a guy who has done everything that's been asked of him this season to say, well, we can we can save ourselves a few million bucks and keep his qualifying offer lower. And guess what? 
if Archie sees that as a sign of disrespect, turns down that qualifying offer and takes an offer somewhere else that's going to pay him more money, then good for him and the Bulls get, you know, the Bulls reap what they sow. True. But that's business. True. The Bulls went through something not similar, but just another business is business situation with Bobby Portis last summer and offered him a very handsome deal that he turned down. And right now they're thanking their lucky stars that he turned it down because I'm sorry, as much as we like Bobby, the dude's not worth a $50 million contract. He's just not. So business is business. And if a player can get a better offer somewhere else than good for them, when the Bulls said to Zach Levine, if you want to test the waters as a restricted free agent and you think that you're worth a certain amount of money, then go, by all means, sign an offer sheet somewhere and better better odds than not, we'll match it. If you bring us an offer sheet, we'll match it. And that's what they did with the Kings. And Zach was a little bit irked to say, come on, man, let's just get a deal done here. But why, why should the Bulls overpay if they have no one to bid against? These are smart financial decisions, and I understand Bulls fans hate when that is the primary focus, and I understand what you're saying when you're talking about the this kind of stuff being the the team's perception across the league, which is, of course, you know, some of the, the big stuff that we talked about and heard from Paxson earlier this season when he was denying these negative perceptions that exist about his organization throughout the league, but business is business and don't think for one second that the Bulls are the only team that have done something like this you know maybe even without that qualifying offer like you were saying you know even if Archie doesn't reach that starters criteria where the qualifying offer does get bumped up maybe the Bulls say you know what we've been pretty good about our relationship with you we signed you to a two-way contract the year prior we brought you in we liked what you were doing we thought you were a good part of the team We signed you to a partially guaranteed contract this year. Then we made it fully guaranteed. Now we want to sign you to a multi-year deal. Maybe that's something that they're all looking at this summer. And like you said, if there's another team out there that's offering him something sizable that's way better than what the Bulls are, RJ has the the option to walk away. And the Bulls, too, if he denies that qualifying offer, he's going to be a restricted free agent. So the Bulls can match any offer that that any other team is out there offering RJ. So... There's that on the table, too, so I agree with you. I just think it's, if the Bulls are doing this, I find it a little bit strange, but like you said, at the end of the day, maybe business is business. Yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting conversation, and it was something that I was not aware of, and I didn't realize until uh, Ron had brought it up, so shout out to Ron on Twitter. Let's get to our text and voicemail line, though. Let's hit up our voicemails. Again, 331-979-1369, the place to drop us all your calls, all your text messages. We want to hear from you, so drop those voicemails, drop those text messages for us. Let's get to the voicemails first, Matt. What do we got up first? Hi, right, guys. Tyree calling you guys. Um, I'm watching the Bulls game now against um, New York, and I just want to know why wouldn't they do this maybe a month ago? start sitting guys and bringing in the G League guys. We had a week where it cost us an extra point and a half on um, the draft pick. And in the grand scheme of things, it might don't matter, but it just seemed like bad leadership. That's it. I got, that's all I got for you guys. Thanks. All right, thanks for the call, Tyreek. So, I mean, this is the million-dollar question, right, Matt? This is what every Bulls fan wants to know for the last – six weeks, why didn't the Bulls start doing this earlier? I mean, your guess is as good as mine? Good question. 
Good question. Why do you think I was yelling about these stupid wins <laughs> against Phoenix and Washington? And oh yeah, well let's let's make sure we we go to four overtimes to get a win against Atlanta. They get it to Trey. He'll drive it, lose it, get it back, and it's out of bounds. The ball belongs to Chicago with three point seven. Otto Porter gets it in. He fumbles it. Zach Levine. Second. Vince gets it. Alex Land at the buzzer. And we are going to a fourth overtime. Garbage. Garbage, meaningless wins. Watch your head, Bender. Watch your head. The wins in February were not garbage and meaningless. Markkinen and Levine were both balling and playing at a high level. Otto Porter Jr. was proving that he was a seamless excellent fit at that spot of need at, at the wing position. Those were good games to win and, and good moments to prove that, that they have something cooking. But getting those wins in like the, the middle of March when nobody was really playing well and you were just beating garbage teams, why? What is the point? And here we are. It's too late. The Cavs couldn't manage to beat the Suns the other night. And based on the remainder of Cleveland's schedule, the Bulls aren't passing them. I'd be surprised to even see Cleveland come up into a tie at 21 wins with the Bulls should the Bulls lose out. To me, that's even very unlikely at this point. So I hope those three wins against Atlanta, that's what bothers Phoenix, me the most and Washington Phoenix, were that worth Phoenix it. and Washington game. That Phoenix game. Like Robin Lopez was the reason why you, you won that game. It wasn't because of Mark and Levine or Porter. Yep. So, you know, we'll see. Obviously, this all depends on how the Bulls do in the lottery. And there are some who would say, well, even if the Bulls don't win the lottery or don't get lucky, it's not like a couple of wins in one and a half percent between being in the top three and being at four where the Bulls are and likely will be is that big of a difference. Well, we'll never know, will we? But I sure would have liked that extra one and a half percent. Simple as that. But they weren't tanking. And they made that pretty clear. And they made that pretty clear by making the move for Otto Porter. And I get that that's for seasons beyond this. But two, like all the injuries, all the dysfunction, all of that, they needed something to get out of this season. I think that's why, in part, they they played off of February and thought they could continue that role into March and didn't think that Cleveland was going to go on a winning streak or any of these other teams. They were going to stay as close as they were to the top three and... They weren't playing the tanking game, and I don't know. I don't know why when they came this close, but uh, yeah, especially when your guys seemed like they were out of gas. Well, and yeah, they may not have planned on tanking this season coming into it. As Paxson said, they didn't want to go through another season like last season, and they were hoping to make a jump up in their level of competitiveness in what people at the time thought was a pretty wide open Eastern Conference with LeBron's departure. And not to say that the Bulls would vault into the top four. Even the most wild optimists would not expect that. But to maybe be in the hunt for a playoff spot as a seventh or eighth seed. I thought that was even a bit too optimistic, even assuming players stayed healthy. But once they got into that terrible hole, whether or not people think Fred didn't get a fair shake because he was fired right as marketing came back and the team was starting to get healthy, you know, they were missing Bobby and they were missing Dunn as well for a large chunk of the first part of that season. 
to me, like it's all a moot point. They were what? What was their starting rate? Like they were like five and twenty nine or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, five and nineteen. So I'm sorry. At that point in the se- your season's done. Like your season's done, and it is in your best interest for a team that is still questionable when it comes to the amount of young talent they have and could very much use another piece of talent in a very shallow draft. From the time they fired Fred, tanking was in their best interest. But they you know, they waited until the final two, maybe three weeks of the season and steered hard into the tank, shutting everybody down. But because of a few costly wins at March, it might have been too little too late. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's uh, let's get to our next voicemail here. This one comes from the 773. Hi, right, what's up, guys? This is Darian calling in again. Just woke up, listened to the podcast. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about a, a couple of things. Jim Boyler first. Going into, like, this month, I was saying, okay, we can keep him in all. It was kind of some, like, some good stories going on, like, uh, Hoosers, Coach Carter. <laughs> Like the players hate the hate the coach, then two months later love him, but that's kind of crazy and all. But don't want him back no more. It's a terrible situation. I want to hear some more trade scenarios. This is kind of interesting. It's going to be a real big summer, and I want to know you guys' opinion on a key move that each of you guys think the Bulls should make and don't make. That'll be big for today's episode. Thanks, guys. Mr. Cruz, are you lost, sir? What I got to do to play? Mr. Cruz, you do not want to know the answer to that question. Paul Zipser, who are high on. Nonetheless, Matt, uh, a move you want to see them make or a move that you don't want to see them make this summer? Yeah, so a move I would like to see them make, and it it would be hard to pull off, and I would be impressed if they managed to do it, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't try, is getting an asset for Chris Dunn. I... You know, I, I know there are some Bulls fans out there who are still believers in his ability to maybe not be this team's starting point guard uh, moving forward because that certainly doesn't look like the case. Uh, and we've talked at length about how he appears to have no chemistry with Zach Levine. I still don't even like Chris Dunn enough at this point to keep him around as a backup, especially if you're talking about needing to negotiate a new contract for him um, in the very near future. So maybe there is some team out there looking to fill out their bench and see Chris Dunn as a valuable piece as a backup point guard who can do some things on both ends. Get an asset for him. Get what you can for him. Because honestly, I mean, I, I, I would rather see Walt Lemon Jr. playing minutes and sticking around. That kid is athletic. He cuts to the basket. He's Strong finishing at the rim. You've seen one, two or, games of him. Come on now. Dude, I do I'm just saying, in a couple of games of Walt Lemon Jr., I already like that kid more than I like Chris Come Dunn. Come on. It's I I'm dead serious, man. 
I am dead serious. It's not an exaggeration. And the Chris Dunn hate is heavy, not just from you, from a lot of Bulls fans. And I get it. The frustration is there. I came into this this season saying we saw a strong glimpse of what Chris Dunn can be, that sample size of when he was playing well last season in December and January before he took that nasty fall in the game against the Warriors. And I wanted to take the optimism from that stretch of games and put it into the season and see what Chris Dunn could do. Well, once again, Chris Dunn, prove to us that he can't stay healthy and it's more than just a freak fall but he had multiple different injuries that kept him out throughout the season he still is very questionable when it comes to his basketball IQ bad turnovers poor decision making not getting his guys the ball in the right spots on the floor and seeing those moments he can't shoot threes and he can't finish at the rim and he can't get to the free throw line he regressed this season he didn't Take a step forward, he regressed. And maybe you're you can sit there and say, well, yeah, he regressed, but that that doesn't mean that he's only going to regress from here on out in his NBA career. But whatever. I'm going on what I saw this season. And what I saw this season was a big disappointment. So I don't think that Chris Dunn's va- Chris Dunn's trade value is very high. But assuming that the Bulls address the point guard position in free agency and or potentially in the draft, depending on where they are. Get what you can for Chris Dunn and move on. To me, the the Chris Dunn experiment's over. Just thinking about uh, reading a quote from Casey Johnson's uh, latest column, he said that on Chris Dunn, you know, when Jim Boylan had gotten to multi-ball handler system, when actually the Bulls were playing at their best this season in February, he said he that Chris Dunn felt like that was taking away from a lot of his strengths in his game, which is very interesting to think about for next season. If that's the way we want the Bulls to play with Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, and other ball handlers taking command, where does that leave Chris Dunn? You know, if that's taking away from the strengths of his game, how does he fit on this team? So maybe that's something to think about as well. Uh, so just that was another interesting little nugget I thought the Casey Johnson had from speaking just straight from Chris Dunn. So uh, maybe that move is is interesting enough. Matt, think about this for a second. So the Lakers are going to be in the lottery this summer. What happens if the Bulls get the third or the fourth pick? And they, we're not too high on anybody right there. But you're going to say Alonzo Ball, aren't you? Stay in your lane. But. Maybe not even Lonzo. Maybe not even Lonzo. But the Bull, but the Lakers are going to gear up to try to make another run at Anthony Davis. What if you can make a deal where you move down to where the Lakers pick is, you include Chris Dunn along with the pick that you have, and you can find a way to grab another asset from the Lakers. I don't know what it would be or who it would be in terms of matching the quality of moving all the way up to where the Bulls are, plus adding Chris Dunn to that. But maybe Lonzo's a part of that. I'm, I think it's uh, it's worth exploring. If the Lakers are desperate to add assets for a big Anthony Davis deal and the Bulls are at least somewhat interested in doing a deal to help the Lakers accomplish that, because guess what? It, like on a, on another, there are multiple levels, and another one of those levels is keeping Anthony Davis out of the Eastern Conference because the Celtics have been rumored to be very much interested in his services as well. So if the Bulls are thinking to themselves, all right, well, we can't get Anthony Davis. If we can't get him, let's make sure he stays in the Western Conference. 
So they could also accomplish that by helping the Lakers uh, acquire the necessary assets to complete that deal. I would not be opposed to the Bulls doing that. It depends on the pieces going back and forth. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of Bulls fans. We, you know, we had multiple texters over the past week talking to us about Lonzo and, and, and maybe acquiring Lonzo in a deal that would allow the Lakers to to get an Anthony Davis deal done. So I under I understand where people are coming from. I I I do think that, that Lonzo has some potential to be a solid playmaking point guard in this league. I still hate his shot and I hate his father. And what the like what's the latest news? Oh, Lonzo Ball is like suing his manager of the big baller brand for stealing money from him and the you know, the Lakers are trying to convince him right now to like never wear big baller brand shoes ever again, and he's like having the big baller brand tat on his forearm covered up and all. It's like he's just a giant headache, and I I still there's there's so much potential negative elements to who Lonzo Ball is that I am not that interested in bringing him in. But if you're talking about a different kind of deal that might get the Bulls a different young player on that Lakers roster for assets I don't I still don't know if I'd be willing to give up future firsts or any of the young core pieces the Bulls have now say if the if the Lakers wanted Wendell or Lowry I would say no oh no way no 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 no. I would say no if if but again the Bulls sending Chris Dunn what are you really offering true it's not it's not that enticing. Let me go in a different route really fast for you. Uh, th- think uh, think for a second with me. You know, the Knicks, if they get a the first or the second pick here, and thinking about this summer too, if they end up landing Kemba or Kyrie, which could be a... That's, that's a major possibility. And I think if we had to place bets right now, one of those two guards is probably going to end up there. If that were to happen, and a deal doesn't need to be made immediately, and we're talking about maybe deals being made in July, so things could happen throughout then. But save for the fact, save for for argument's sake that they do, they end up with the first or the second pick. They end up taking Zion or John Morant, and they end up signing Kyrie or Kemba. Where does that leave guys like Dennis Smith Jr.? Would you be interested in Dennis Smith Jr. at all, and maybe making a deal with the Knicks and saying, you know what, we've got a guy that you guys are going to be crunched for money if you sign two max deal players and you're going to be in a route where you're going to try to win right now maybe you can pitch an idea to the Knicks that um, moving on from Dennis Smith Jr. might not be the worst idea in the world and they can move on from him we can maybe find a deal and package Chris Dunn up Um, that might cost you though it might cost you picks it might cost you future picks yeah so would you be interested in Dennis Smith Jr. I guess was where I would start and if the Knicks did end up with two point guards this summer, that would be ahead on that scale, ahead of Dennis Smith Jr. Because I know some Bulls fans were really interested in him at the trade deadline. Yeah, a lot of Bulls fans thought that the the front office made a mistake when they took Lowry ahead of DSJ. I wonder if they still think that. Um, I certainly didn't at the time and would not trade Lowry for DSJ right now. Um, I'd be, you know pretty wide-eyed to discover any Bulls fans out there who would who could tell us they'd rather have DSJ than Lowry Markkinen and I would tell them I think you're wrong but as far as am I interested enough in Dennis Smith Jr. to make a move for him maybe sending them Chris Dunn 
and as you said, probably having to package a pick for that. Maybe, maybe, you know, finer details of that deal. I would have to to hear out every single element of that of that trade package in both directions. And actually, you know, that leads us to um, a, a texter for our mailbag here, 814, so, talking about something similar, but not with DSJ, but about Colin Sexton of the Cavs. This texture says, say the Knicks, Cavs, Suns in the draft order, the Knicks take Zion, the Cavs take John Morant, the Suns take Jared Culver. Would it be out of the question for the Bulls to inquire about Colin Sexton? Because they are now adding John Morant. Maybe not this year's pick, unless the Bulls really don't love anyone where they are, but say Chris Dunn, a future protected first, and maybe a second round pick for Colin Sexton and possibly a salary dump. Granted, I don't know what Cleveland is going to do with said extra cap space. I doubt the trade would really do it, but just curious if Sexton would be an intriguing fit. So, Jordan, if you were to do a hypothetical deal as the GM of the Bulls to say, all right, we're going to give you Chris Dunn a protected future first and perhaps other salary matching moves to get ourselves a new point guard, would you rather do that deal with Cleveland to get Colin Sexton or would you rather do that deal with the Knicks to get DSJ? They're about on the same playing field. Look, Colin Sexton, I think... He's been a nice player. He had some real, real struggles the first three months of the season. It, the defense is, is a huge concern on his side. The passing, too, I think I have some concerns with that. The scoring has come around, though. In the last two months, he's averaging 22.4 points per game in the month of March for Cleveland. Two and a half rebounds per game, 2.7 assists per game. So it, it's starting to come around a little bit for him. You know, his true shooting percentage in March is absolutely bonkers, 62.6%. So he had a really good month of March, and even a good month of February, 50.1% true shooting percentage. So that's really good. And you look at his three-point percentage, even. 40%. He's shooting 40% from downtown, which is something the Bulls are lacking at the point guard position right now. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would cost you a little bit more, and maybe that's just recency bias, but since the new year, like you said, 41.5% in January, 41.1% in February, and 44.7% in the month of March from three. It's modest in that he's only shooting three and a half uh, three-pointers attempts per game. Right. So it's not like a huge amount. It's not like he's shooting above 40% on seven or eight attempts a game, but he's still knocking them down at a very respectable respectable clip. Whereas Dennis Smith Jr., through his first two seasons, is just a 30, just slightly above a 31% three point shooter. Which, honestly, when you look at what Chris Dunn has tried to do this season to improve his three point shooting, DSJ's not. A significant improvement there. The Bulls had a ton of interest in Colin Sexton too. If you remember back to the draft, I remember Joe Colley reporting on it too, like along with Trey Young. And it was, it, yeah, and it was tied to well, we're, we're interested in a couple of these point guards because we're unhappy with Chris Dunn's work ethic this offseason. And I mean, they did deny those reports, so take it at face value. Maybe there was some truth to that, and I'm guessing if it was out there. There was at least some truth to that. And guess what? Chris Dunn, after that report of the Bulls maybe wondering about his work ethic, 
has not improved but regressed this season. And we have since gotten even more reports that the Bulls will be targeting veteran free agents this offseason. To what end? To push and motivate and challenge Chris Dunn. So there were two reports about Chris Dunn needing to be pushed, needing to be challenged, and the Bulls needing to address the point guard situation spanning almost a full calendar year. I won't put it on Chris Dunn's work ethic because I still don't think that that I don't buy that BS at all. I will put it on inconsistent playing time. I'll put it on injuries and I'll put it on pressure and dysfunction more than on work ethic. And maybe well, maybe Chris Dunn sure. is the player that, that maybe this is just who he is. Maybe this is the player he is. Which you get like, you know, not to put all the all the fault at the feet of Chris Dunn because let's remember you know as you said the Bulls were really high on Colin Sexton in the draft you know who else they were really high on probably even higher on than Colin Sexton Chris Dunn yeah that's true so much so that they nearly traded Jimmy Butler on draft night 2016 to get him that's true so like a lot of the fault falls on the Bulls for being obsessed with the wrong guys in the draft well circling back to this question at four so if, if the Bulls end up at four and the Cavs already take the Cavs already take John Moran at two, would you what would it take to get set Colin Sexton? I mean, I th- I think the Bulls would have to give them a future protected first. I think our texter is right, but but see the, in this hypothetical uh, from at least this texter who's saying the Cavs has the number two pick, they're going to take John Moran with that pick. So the Bulls, no need to give them, the, the Cavs, an additional pick in 2019 because they get what they want, and what they want is John Morant. So they are looking to move Colin Sexton because they get an upgrade, as they see it, at that position and net themselves an, a future asset by moving Colin Sexton. So the Bulls would keep their pick in 2019 but just do a deal where they give the Cavs a future pick for Colin Sexton. But man, I don't know, That's you just wasted a whole season, and are you really that high on Colin Sexton? That's the question right there. Are you are you higher on Colin Sexton than you are on anybody that you can take at number four? That would be the ultimate question to ask yourself. Tough. It's very tough. I would have to go in and ask a lot of people that have been covering the Cavs all year to see what they really think about Colin Sexton. That would be an interesting conversation we can have with some Cavs people and maybe get back to some people here. Um, thanks for the question, though. A couple other real quick texts, Matt, before we get out of here. Uh, 312, do you think RJ Barrett struggled in Duke's system with basically no shooters? Also, I think people forget that he is still young and is supposed to be a senior in high school. He reclassified. Also, everyone in the media is saying how Coach K didn't use Zion right in his system, but I won't say the same. But won't say the same for RJ. They say he sucks. I don't get it. The kid gets a lot of hate. RJ Barrett has still got a super high ceiling coming into the NBA. And look, he wanted to play hero ball in that last ninety seconds. Sometimes you're the hero, and sometimes you're not. That's just how things go. And part of the blame can go on Coach K for that game, and part of it can go on R.J. Barrett, and part of it can go on some of the other players, too. But look, Duke was skating by in all of those games, too. There, there's So there are incidences where R.J. Barrett saved Duke in that tournament. So I'm not going to blame everything on him. I think he can still be a really good player. I just have some questions about the defensive side and how he can improve that when he comes into the NBA. And specifically looking at the Bulls, 
how does he how can he fit along with some of the other weaknesses that this team has and this team's weak biggest weakness is defense so adding a guy that is an offensive first player and a defensive second that that worries me how do you build up his defense in the first three years he's he's here is something that is of major importance but I do kind of agree. I feel like he's gotten a lot of hate over the last couple of days. I think so. And I think, as you said, it's because people wanted to point out that Duke's ultimate failure was his fault in that he was the one trying to get things done down the stretch. And that meant keeping the ball away from Zion. And Zion was the darling of this year's tournament. Zion's the darling of the draft. He's the darling of the entirety of this year of college basketball. So some of that is kind of unfair to R.J. Barrett. That's true. But I would also say it's not inaccurate to suggest that Barrett has a lower floor when you're talking about making the jump to the NBA than his teammate Zion Williamson. His his ceiling might be high, as you suggest, but I think when you talk about and, you know, the, the text are saying he's still really young, he reclassified, he's got a lot of learning to do, that's fine. There are plenty of young players in some on our Bulls roster right now where we talk about the fact that they need to get smarter and we need to see them develop their basketball IQ. Some of that can be learned and improved upon. Some of that is instinct and some of that is just something you're born with. But right now, there are certain elements to RJ's game that suggest that his basketball IQ is not very high. And yeah, it it came to the forefront when Duke was trying to make a Final Four. And so maybe those opinions about the weaknesses and flaws of his game were grossly inflated because everybody's paying attention. So I you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that maybe RJ got a little too much heat or, or, or more heat than he deserved as Duke ultimately failed to reach their goal. And as you said, you know, sometimes you're the hero, sometimes you're the goat. That's just the way it works out. It's also fair to say that there are legitimate concerns about how his game will translate to the NBA. Both can be true. If if the Bulls take him at four, I'm not going to complain. He was considered the the number one prospect at the beginning of the year. I think there's just, it happens every year. We start with a guy at the number one at the top of the board, and then by the time we get to this time, everybody kind of sours on them. And then there's new people, and they they drop up and down the board. Zion went all the way from being a two or three prospect to now being the number one prospect, of course. The only thing I have concerns about besides his defense is the three-point shot, but I think that that can be fixed. And look, he was taking 7.1 three-point attempts per game, per 40 minutes, so... That's a lot of three-point attempts. I don't think he needs to be taking that many in the NBA, at least to start his season. And he shot 30.8% from three. So uh, the effective field goal percentage still is over 50%. So while the defensive concerns are there, the tunnel vision, the basketball IQ may not be as high as we thought it was. I think those are all things he can improve on. And like our texter had brought up, he's still super young. So cross my fingers. And if this is a guy too, Matt, like we were talking about on yesterday's episode, if this is a guy that they take, Maybe the Bulls decide, you know what, come off the bench and play 25 minutes a night, 26 minutes a night, the way that the Kings kind of did with Marvin Bagley, and play behind Otto Porter, play with that second unit, and start to build and grow there. That could be a possibility too, and maybe that helps R.J. Barrett grow if the Bulls do decide to take him at four. So Certainly, and yeah, I, I still am not in love with the idea of Barrett. 
Um, and but if, this is under the, the Bulls, caveat that Culver's already gone. Right. And if the Bulls don't get a top two or a top three and, and they're looking at best available and they believe he's it, I think I would still be a little bit more optimistic about R.G. Barrett than Chandler Hutchison and Denzel Valentine, which are the other two guys you're talking about backing up Otto Porter next season. So, you know, take that for what it is. Uh, here's a quick one. Going back to a previous conversation on today's show, Jordan, this text comes from the 559. Can we keep Walt Lemon and dump Chris Dunn? <laughs> Boom. Bam. Booyah. Yes, we can. Oh, come on. Stop it. Thank you, Texter. Stop it. Uh, no, no. No, Give me Walt Lemon. Good for Walt Lemon, though. Give me Walt Lemon, baby. Well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thank you for all the questions, all the voicemails, all the text messages that you guys have continued to hit us up even through the end of this Bulls season. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Maui, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Make sure you're subscribed to the show, the Himalaya app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Make sure you're mashing that subscribe button so you get our episodes as soon as they drop. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Maui, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba locked on bulls is live on dash radio every tuesday thursday and saturday starting at 10 a.m eastern 9 a.m central for more content and to stay up to date head over to lockedonbulls.com. hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.